Recording from the Sunshine City, St. Petersburg, Florida, overlooking beautiful Tampa Bay, this is the Sonography Lounge, sponsored by Gulf Coast Ultrasound Institute. This podcast is dedicated to medical professionals and patients around the world interested in diagnostic and interventional ultrasound. Our podcast will discuss everything ultrasound, from news, trends, career paths, new technology, and industry updates. Hosted by Lori Green and Tricia Rio of Gulf Coast Ultrasound Institute, they bring over four decades of experience in the ultrasound profession and are here to guide you through this journey. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sonography Lounge podcast, where we discuss all things ultrasound. I'm Trisha Rio, and I'll be co-hosting today's episode with Lori Green. Hey, everybody. So the use of sonography has skyrocketed in the past decade, not only in dedicated labs, but among physicians and advanced healthcare providers who are integrating ultrasound into their clinical toolbox to improve patient care and outcomes. So while this is fantastic, with that surge has come some increased pain and injury for our sonographers and sonologists who are developing life-changing and sometimes career-ending work-related musculoskeletal disorders. In fact, it is estimated that 90%, 90% of sonographers scan in pain every day. That is not acceptable. And the reason for an increase in these um, disorders among sonographers and sonologists is multifactorial and includes climbing obesity rates in our patients, increased patient volumes, longer exam protocols. So today we're going to discuss ways to reduce this risk and keep our sonographers and our sonologists healthy. That's right, Tricia. And so today we are thrilled to have with us on our podcast studio, Mike McElroy, who is a solutions marketing manager for Canon Ultrasound and also a cardiac sonographer by trade. So welcome, Mike. Thanks very much. Thanks so much for having me. And congrats on uh, reaching 10,000 subscribers. That's incredible. Thanks. Uh, yeah, thank we're you. so excited about that too. This has been a lot of fun for us and really has. And uh, we get to talk with so many different people and and uh, learn a lot as well from each other. So uh, yeah. we're really um, excited about continuing this and and talking with you today. So um, let's go ahead and get started. And why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, Mike, your position with Canon, and how you became so passionate about ergonomics and the healthy sonographer. Great. Thank you so much. And I uh, appreciate uh, being here. I wish I was there with you in, uh, in St. Pete. I grew up in Clearwater right up the street, so uh, oh, it's home okay. to me. Uh, uh, so I was, uh, I've been in uh, Echo for many, many years. I actually started in Echo in the 80s. And uh, the first upgrade when I uh, got going was ColorFlow. So that was exciting. And then I uh, went on to, to be part of sort of the pioneering efforts of 3D Echo and then 4D or real-time uh, Echo, real-time 3D Echo as well. So it was uh, an exciting time. And then I found myself in the uh, teaching side. I was always teaching. And I, so I found myself in uh, the teaching side in, in an applications role and then went on in the industry for many years and then ultimately ended up in marketing. And uh, joining Canon, one of the things that uh, became so apparent to me uh, from, from being a sonographer and working with thousands of people uh, in the application side around the country uh, for many years, it, I, I noticed a lot of injury. But in particular, something that really struck me is that one of our applications people was talking to me about um, one of her friends had just had her second baby, has been a sonographer for seven or eight years, and she could not sit up to feed her, to breastfeed her baby. She had to lay down because of her carpal tunnel. And that just really <laughs> struck me as this isn't just something that happens at work. This impacts our lives in so many ways. 
And then later I, I bumped into an old friend that we scanned together years before. And he said that, uh, yeah, same thing happened to me. I was, uh, it was, it was fall. It was football season was starting. I had a young son and I wanted to teach him football. So we went out to throw the ball in the yard. And after five minutes, my shoulder hurt so bad. I had to go back in the house and, and stop. And I was like, wow, this, you know, not being able to feed your own baby, not being able to play ball with your son. These are some of the most important times in our lives. And our, our work affecting that is really not okay. And so going through more work at, at Canon, what I found out was that they designed this new ultrasound system and they, they were in the process of designing it. And they asked us, you know, what can we do to better improve uh, the work for sonographers? And that's where this healthy sonographer platform emerged. And, and we got involved uh, very deeply in helping educate sonographers uh, around the country and around the world about how to do this job better in ways to potentially reduce the risk to musculoskeletal disorder. So it's been a, a real uh, journey of passion and incredibly happy and uh, that Canon has just been so much supporting this charge and giving us the, the resources we need to go out there and educate the, the community at large. It's been fantastic. That's awesome. That's interesting that you mentioned some of those scenarios of different people and how it's impacted their their personal life beyond uh, work. And it's it's funny, I always just tell people after being in ultrasound for over 40 years and scanning and so forth, I always just tell everybody my whole right side is just shot from my you know, shoulder to the elbow, to the wrist, the back, the hip. You know, if you think about it, you know, when, um, when we used to do cardiac scanning, it was, I'm right-handed. So I would reach over everybody and you have these big, heavy set people and you're just in all kinds of distortion st distorted positions going up to the critical care unit you're not always able to you know position yourself the way that's most comfortable for you and over over time it does it just wears on your on your body you don't even realize it you know you oh my shoulder hurts you're not even thinking that that might have been from scanning for x amount of years you know right. but then all of a sudden you're it's become you know people are becoming more informed um, it is getting a little better, but, you know, as you said, there's a lot more education that needs to, um, needs to happen. Yeah. Not and not just on the employee level, but on the employer exactly. level, I think everybody right. needs to work together. Yeah. Right. That you bring up a really, uh, interesting point I've heard time and time again, is that people, they, they'll have an injury, they'll go to the doctor and they'll, they'll get physical therapy. They'll get the cortisone shots. Some people even end up in surgery, but they, they don't quickly connect the dots that, oh, this happened at work. So they'll, they'll be looking at all kinds of things. Oftentimes, uh, it's the third doctor or the third round of trying to, to get better when they realize, oh, my gosh, it's my work that's causing this. And then oftentimes, when, when people do go off and get surgery or rehab and then come back, hey, 60 patients today, welcome back. And they boom, they're right into it. And they quickly go out on injury again because they didn't have uh, a little bit of time to sort of rebuild the strength back into the full load that we have. And one of the reasons that, that uh, this has become as prolific as it has, if you will, is that um, years ago, uh, and Trisha, I go back, you know, we go, we've been doing this a long time, right? Is that we, you know, eight patients a day, maybe 10 on the odd days was, was a reasonable amount of time. We would sit down, and make our measurements and so forth. Protocols, especially on the radiology side, were relatively short. 
they fit on a 14 by 17 film or whatever. Mm -hmm. And those, then the general sonographers would then run the film through x-ray or through the processor. There was a time, a moment to just take a break and let your body breathe and, and also just take a breath, deep breath yourself. And uh, so now it's all digital. So the protocols have expanded exponentially. The numbers of measurements have expanded exponentially. And then the time between patients is, is really gone because you don't have that necessary time mm-hmm. to go and process and measure and so forth. So it's just the, right. the velocity and the volume is stacked up so high now, really against us. And this has created a different thing for the new students coming in. Many students uh, that started in Canada, they were learning a second skill set in their career development before they even left ultrasound school. They were already learning something else because they knew their time of doing this job would be limited due to due to expected injury. Because when you work as a student, you work with the preceptors, your clinical experts at the clinical sites, and so many of them are complaining. So they they kind of pick this up. They're like, well, that this is really neat, but I don't want to do that forever. And now in the U.S. schools, they're starting to, to, to cross-train and also even choose other career paths now because this is getting out there. So there's a lot of, uh, especially women now, there's a lot more women going into diesel mechanics and aircraft mechanics and things like that. They can make great money. They work nine to five. They go home. They don't have that patient care burden on their back. Mm-hmm. So they're choosing to do other things. So there's a lot of uh, sonography schools, junior college teach sonography, that their class enrollment is less than it's been in these big hospital systems that have been enjoying this the, the influx of new students all the time. And it's, it's fantastic because the students learn and then the, the facility can pick their favorite you know, students that are in and they're the ones that fulfill the, the openings for the, the job roles. But with less students, there's less folks to, to fill those roles. So it's, yeah. it's, a, it's really a compounding effect that it's having on our right domino effect into the staffing shortages as well. You know, when they already recognize that there's going to be their career may be short lived because of potential musculoskeletal injuries. And like you said, they're, they're already thinking about what their second career is going to be. And how sad is that? I mean, you put all that time and effort into going to school, all that money, and then you have a career that you love and you're passionate about, which is where I was at. I was in my fourth year of my career when I got injured and had to have surgery. And I it was my right hand, my scanning hand. And I said, oh, my God, after all of this, the, mm-hmm. my career is going to be over. Mm-hmm. And I was heartbroken. But luckily, I was able to rehab, have the surgery, rehab, get back to it. But, mm-hmm. yeah, there's so many people where it's a career ending or they choose to end their career because they don't want to get injured and have it limit their life. And that's just sad because right. it's such a great career. It is. It's such and we great. need sonographers. We need good, passionate, healthy sonographers. Absolutely. So, mm-hmm. well, you know, I went onto your website. You mentioned it briefly there, the healthysonographer.com. Um, I do encourage all of our listeners to check that out. And we were looking, you know, I was reading through some of your resources there and some of the linked articles that you had. And, you know, we mentioned earlier some of the reasons for increased work-related musculoskeletal disorders among sonographers and sonologists includes the climbing obesity rate in the U.S. population. So right now it's roughly 40% of Americans are considered obese, and that is well on its way to becoming 50% by 2030, according to the resources on your website. So with that happening, what can sonographers do to limit their risk of exposure when they're scanning these types of patients on a daily basis? 
Great question. It, a lot of it starts with awareness. So awareness from the lab perspective, uh, you mentioned healthysonographer.com. That's something that uh, with Canon support, I was able to sort of aggregate the, the, the body of knowledge, if you will, in large part out there and put into healthysonographer.com. So there's, there's a lot of resources we could, you want to go have a, a quick look at it and I could just. Sure. Kind of yeah. Walk yeah. Bring it up. So our listeners can see what we're talking about. So for our podcast listeners, you can find this video on YouTube. You just have to search it out and it's all right there for you to look at. Great. Can you see uh, the, yep. the website here? We yes. got it. Yeah. Okay. So this starts off with a little news report at the top. Uh, and then depending on, on the size of your screen, uh, you'll, you'll typically see this scroll down for more information, but this is really a, a place for us to learn about, uh, how to scan more comfortably. And, and then it goes into sort of the real di didactics of it, what musculoskeletal disorders are and how they affect sonographers. So the terminology is here. Some of the basic stats are here as well. And then as we go through, the, you can find the top places of injury. Uh, also, shoulder, neck, and wrist have been the top three for, for a very long time. And it all started with an article over 20 years ago about sonographer's shoulder. So this is, this is not a new problem. It's just we have to find new solutions because it. Uh, you'd think by now there would almost be no issues, but it's just getting more because what you said, our volumes are increasing, our patient size are increasing, the, the number of images uh, in our protocols and the number of measurements are increasing. So this really helps you understand how to become a, a healthy sonographer, again, aggregating the best practices out there. It, it all begins with prevention. And then we go into some different ways to set yourself up for success. Uh, and we can talk about this more. The magic triangle in particular is something that uh, I hope that you take as the biggest takeaway out of this, because you can yeah. start doing it for the very next patient. And we'll get into that in a few minutes here. Set yourself up uh, correctly. So one of the things you want to do is look at the ergonomics as your, your ultrasound system is part of your ultrasound workstation. This isn't just the machine. It's the bed that's adjustable. It's the chair that's adjustable. It's the room. It's the environment where you keep uh, the washcloths that you clean up with after. Time and time again, I go into labs and the washcloths are in the bottom drawer of an old file cabinet. And you got to dig down in there and get them a few times a day, whereas they should just be uh, in a nice, easy spot to get. Like that pulse ox, it's always in every room. How often do you use that? Put things where they are they're comfortable for you to get that you get more, you know, once a day or more. So this is a multimedia website, so it's full of computers. So again, uh, there's a lot of videos here. There's videos for each of the most common exam types. You can learn from the experts how to set yourself up for a general abdomen, a carotid, endovag exams even, and then of course, uh, uh, an echo. We work with a physical therapist that works with um, sonographers and, and came up, uh, he prescribed us some great daily stretches and exercises, uh, which are fantastic. So they're, they're outlined here. Uh, so it's at your fingertips to, to go grab Choose the appropriate equipment. You want something that, that is very ergonomic. And for instance, we all typically 
push the machine up next to the bed. It's totally vertical. And we just start scanning. Well, there's a lot more ergonomics features on the ultrasound systems than we've ever had in the past. But most people don't either have the time or, or they won't, they weren't shown, you know, how those things work because typically an installation with new equipment, it, it all starts out really nice that first morning. And then stats start coming in. People have to run to the emergency department and all that. And you miss sort of these subtleties that can really make you more comfortable. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there's, there's a lot of information here all the way down to the most popular literature. It's really the number one destination now to, to learn about this. And if you, if you want to have, if you want to learn more, ask a question, have a, a healthy sonographer presentation in your lab, right in the bottom of this, you can just fill out this form and myself or one of my colleagues will contact you. And we literally go out and do the healthy sonographer presentations in labs across the country every week. I've personally spoken to thousands of sonographers and the reviews that come back are, we have thousands of five-star reviews because it just makes an impact uh, so effectively while we're out there. So thanks for letting me share that. It's a resource at this yeah. point, it's one global resource for sonographers and in Europe and other countries, physicians, sonologists learning about this and, and how they can how they can help themselves uh, scan more comfortably. Because being more comfortable while you're doing this work is truly the, the secret sauce, I guess you could say, as to how this gets, this gets done. With that comfort mindset, if you take an extra 30 seconds to 60 seconds before you begin your exam, okay, how can I get comfortable and do that? It's kind of like when you're setting, when you, when you get in someone else's car, you get a rental car on vacation, what's the first thing you do? You adjust the seat and the mirror. That's basically mm -hmm. adjusting your, your, your seat and your table and your, and your ultrasound system before you start scanning. Yeah. And it, it could be as simple as that. And I'll, I'll show you a quick tip here that will really help out in a minute as well. Yeah, I was really impressed with the website when I went through it. Just the depth of resources, the videos, everything's really easy to interact with. And you get some really great takeaways. Definitely that magic triangle was a strong takeaway for me. I'm going to be paying more attention to how I position that system. And we work with students on a daily basis, whether they're physicians, sonographers, PAs, um, and every participant that I work with in our courses, it's the first thing I say in the very first scan session that I work with them is look at your body. I know you're not going to do a 30 to 40 minute exam like a sonographer would, you know, if it's a physician or a PA, mm -hmm. but it's still important because if you're doing eight to 10 of these a day, it's going to add up. And if you start paying attention to it when you're doing your ultrasound work, you're going to start paying attention to it when you're sitting at your desk and you're typing up your notes for your patient records or when you're on a phone call, you're going to start paying attention to your overall ergonomics and everything you can do is just going to help mm -hmm. prevent you from getting injured. So I think it just makes people more aware. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's nice that you go into the labs and do presentations for the sonographers and hopefully some administrators are there too, so that they realize the importance of uh, these work-related MS MSK yeah. disorders and how they can uh, help. And they're and, the decision makers. Right. Exactly. So nothing gets done if they're not on right. board. So you got to have the right resources and tools to make it work. Right. Yeah. So I brought in a physical therapist. I was a technical director for a vascular lab and I brought in wow. a physical therapist from our physical therapy department in our hospital and said, I want you to evaluate my sonographers and provide a report to our imaging director. And that's great. I kind of did wow. that without telling her. <laughs> Just wanted her to see what right. was going on. I was having a lot of call outs. You know, I think we mentioned before we started recording, what did you say? A third of missed work days are attributed to injuries. 
A third of missed work days uh, are attributed to musculoskeletal disorders. And if you think of all the great reasons to call in sick, you know, your kids are sick, yourself. Uh, the big game was last night. Uh, there's plenty of good reasons, but that a third are around one particular issue of musculoskeletal disorders. Yeah. Shocking. That is shocking. That's a staggering number. Mm-hmm. Well, we mentioned um, about the patient aspect of things, and there are a lot of factors involved in, in how and why uh, sonographers and sonologists obtain or on. I wouldn't say obtain, they just end up with MSK disorders. But on top of that, we're also seeing that there's an increase in patient volumes. There's an increase in the total exam protocols, as you mentioned, Mike. Um, as you know, every every specialty has their routine protocols. And as you mentioned, you know, early, early on when I first started, you know, that you had certain number of images you took and calculations and uh, with the changes in equipment and technology and the more uh, higher level calculation packages we have. And then just R and D, you know, with doing all this research, you're finding new ways of evaluating patients, which adds on additional measurements that you have to do, even new techniques. You know, we talk about echo, there's so many things that have come out in echo in the past few years that have increased the length of time you have to spend on doing a patient. So, um, you know, these are definitely things that you're spending more time with the patient and you're doing more patients and less rest time, as you mentioned. So, um, do you think that the time, you know, in comparing like the amount of time that we spend on patients, the number of patients that we uh, do exams on, do you believe that the, that the, the exam time has been adjusted accordingly in in these uh, departments, or uh, if not, you know, why is that so important? You know, kind of let's kind of go down that route of how administrators need to kind of pay attention to these schedules and how many patients realistically that you can do. And and yeah, the bottom line is important, but in the end, we're talking about patient care, we're talking about sonographer health, and you know, there's a fine line there on on how to do this in the most cost-effective and also safe way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that that's a really good question. And definitely they've adjusted the amount of time available uh, with the increased volume, the longer protocols, the tougher patients to scan, the, the, uh, the time allotted very graciously, dramatically reduced. So that's great. Uh, can you do it in 25 minutes? got to get done today right so it's this is this is a this is a classic capitalism issue i guess where it comes down to we've got to get the we've got to get the job done this is great we're getting this volume but uh it doesn't seem as though there's a um uh there's there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of give and take for instance there's an awful lot of exams done that are full full full-blown exams where it, it may be a simple follow-up you just need to click check on something but the protocol in the lab is we do a full exam, we have to fill a full exam. In reality, answering the clinical question uh, is a very different mindset. If we could be thinking about how to answer the clinical question versus uh, what, I, what, I, what I say is we're in, in, in Europe, for instance, there's physician sonologists, so a cardiologist that basically does echoes, a radiologist that does the ultrasound exam, delivers the report right on the spot. They're scanning for answers. They're using ultrasound to scan for answers to answer the clinical question. We are scanning for judge and jury. 
because that image number 39 is going to be on a 12-foot screen in front of the jury at some point. We've got to make sure that all of the information is there. So we're trying to get the clinical question answered, but we're doing this job for something that may happen in a litigation someday. This is where are we really doing the best thing for our staff because there's a breaking point. There's a, there's a huge sonographer shortage, as you know, and uh, there's a lot of places that they just don't take this step with, let's sit down with the administration. Maybe or maybe not, maybe they could come in later, but with the radiologist and the sonographer, chief sonographers, lab manager and go, okay, let's review our protocols. We need all these things. I was at a little hospital uh, not long ago and um, the echo tech, excuse me, I'm an echo tech from way back, cardiac sonographer. <laughs> uh, been, uh, she was doing a protocol, very just bread and butter echo lab. Uh, she was doing over a hundred images per exam. Wow. Standard on everybody. And this is just bread and butter stuff. It wasn't big and diastolic function and contrast. It, it was a very bread and butter lab, not all of the extra things. And I said, that seems like a pretty extensive photo. Are the doctors asking for that? Well, no, they're not. It's just what I've always done. It's what I've learned at each place I've done up to this point. So I just do it all. And I was like, wow, okay, if you're doing 2D measurements and demo measurements and everybody and all the things, how much is the physician really reporting and how much do their uh, referring physicians, are they really utilizing to treat their patients that just popped over for a murmur? They've got a 110 image study. Is that really realistic for as we progress into the future? So it, it, the times are not adjusted. It would be reasonable to me to say, oh, a doctor came back from a conference, really want to add measurements in. Okay, let's take a quick look. Can we get rid of a couple things that we don't really use anymore to add that in? Or can then we then potentially expand Let's give an extra two or three minutes on the schedule for that for that exam time. Yeah. And sometimes it comes from the written order. Like right. they're specifically interested in the gallbladder and the order and abdomen complete. And it's like right. you really could do a write-up or quadrant for that. So then the sonographer has to take the time, call the referring physician. Is it okay for me to change this order? Well, by then you might as well have just done the exam, is how they look at it. Mm -hmm. But then you're not looking at the fact that, well, that time that you're spending calling the physician, you're actually doing some recovery because mm -hmm. you're not actively scanning in a static position. So, you know, maybe reconsider the way you look at that. It is worthwhile because at the end of the day, you're educating the physician because mm -hmm. now they know, oh, okay, I could just order right upper quadrant instead of ordering an abdomen complete. You're putting the patient through less of a diagnostic exam. And although ultrasound is relatively free of any um, bad mojo, like CT and MR might have or x-ray, mm -hmm. we still are experiencing things as a patient when we're undergoing a diagnostic exam, whether it be stress or whether it's uncomfortable because your back hurts or whatever. So we're shortening the exam time for the patient. And then we're giving ourselves a workflow that's more manageable. So although it seems counterproductive, sometimes it's worth going that extra mile to try to educate and prove, look, there's better ways to do this. And at the end of the day, it's just going to benefit the sonographer as well. Right. Agree. And having that sonographer leave because they have a little bit better opportunity, uh, you know, one dollar more an hour, one mile closer to home is, is all it takes a lot of time. Right. So there's and replacing that person can be uh, really exhaustive uh, and yeah. very expensive, especially yeah, when uh, if you yeah. get a traveler. But that's a very expensive proposition to the facility. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and like you said, it just comes down really uh, the bottom line is everyone has to be educated on this, this, um, situation, you know, not just the, uh, sonographer and administration, but the physicians or medical provider who is interpreting it as well as the physicians who are, you know, writing the scripts yeah. to have it done. And that's been an issue for ever in a day, right? You know, always getting something ordered that's way beyond what, what really needs to be done. But I think it's improving because the use of ultrasound has, you know, increased mm -hmm. among basically all specialty practices and physicians and other medical providers are using ultrasound. So they're becoming more informed on what you really need to order if they need to order a more comprehensive exam beyond their more focused study. So that's well, probably also, getting better, but you're seeing the physicians doing bedside ultrasound. Mm -hmm. So they may take a quick look and then say, okay, specifically, right. I want you to go look at X, Y, Z because they've already looked and now they can give a more directed instruction exactly. to the lab. So that's kind of right. nice too. To that's see. nice. But I think across the board, it's great that you have your website and that you're so passionate about it, Mike, because it really has not been, there's, I mean, we see it in the, you know, SDMS meetings and AIUM and all the different um, professional societies. There's always mention of preventing musculoskeletal disorders and there's a talk here and there on it, but there needs to be so much more across the board and it, it really has to be something where everyone gets together and they, they find that happy balance between productivity, cost, uh, injury, patient safety, accuracy, all those things tying together. It's such a domino effect. And how that how that happens, I'm not quite sure. I don't know that I have the solution for it for sure. But but this is a start. This it's a great a start. start with your with your website. And so I do hope that everybody checks that out. Yeah. Well, um, we talked a little bit about exam times and time allocated and then uh, mentioned you know, recovery time, maybe while you're getting that revised order. What can you tell us about, you know, muscle recovery time and why it's so important that a sonographer spends a few minutes between exams doing that? Yeah, actually, it turns out that, uh, you know, aerobic activity, for instance, like if you're moving around a lot doing an exam, uh, you're, the muscles getting the opportunity to, to breathe, if you will, there's, there's, there's a little bit of, there's motion for blood flow to go in and out. Uh, and, but when what we're doing so often with sonography is we're in a very static position and then we're applying pressure and holding it. And one of the things we do to sort of add on to that to ourselves without realizing is because once you pick that image, it's difficult. Let's just say it's a renal artery that's just difficult. When you want to then go make measurements, you keep that exact same position. Your body's still wound up holding it right while you make all your measurements. And sometimes you get into making those measurements and you might make more or this or that. Meanwhile, you're, the rest of the body is suffering while the measurement hand is taking its time. So this is an opportunity for us to breathe. If you, if you grab a little thinny clip, you can scroll back and forth, relax that body part, make your measurements, take extra images if you need to based on the thinny that you grab, or scroll back through the Doppler, maybe get a little bit longer Doppler sweep versus having to rely on that perfect image being there back if you didn't get the measurement or the, the picture just right. So there's some things that we build in, but it takes up to 10 times longer for a static uh, exertion to for the body to recover than, than if you just were to step off the treadmill a couple seconds later, you're ready to you know walk down the hall or take a jog or something. 
a static thing is very different. It takes a much, it's much harder to recover from. Yeah, I think it'd be good between your patients, just do a few of those stretches that they can find on your website. Just, you know, before you start writing up your patient documentation, just sit down, perform a few stretches. And I think you'd see a huge improvement in how you felt at the end of your workday. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that about the, you know, while you're, while you're doing your calculations or whatever, you're, your tent, the amount of tenseness that you have in your scanning arm, you just are subconsciously doing that. You don't even realize it. And so that's really going to take a conscious, you know, effort to, oh yeah, I need to relax. You know, I was not long ago, I had to have physical therapy for my shoulder and, and they were, the physical therapist was doing some kind of maneuver and, and he goes, he goes, relax. And I'm like, I am relaxed. I'm like, what's that? This is relaxed. This is relaxed. Uh, I paid attention. So, you know, people don't realize that, that, you know, you're scanning one right after another. So you're just kind of staying in that. In the back of their head, they're like, I have three patients in the waiting room. (laughs) That's why you're tense is because you're constantly thinking about what's next. Yeah. Yeah. One one of the little tips that I like to share is if you can think of a, uh, a water fountain and a bathroom that are in a different department and with any luck and and it's a nice, nice day out. You have to, you like walk out of the side door where you are, walk around to the, to the water fountain in the ER or pulmonary or whatever, and then and find a, a bathroom that's similar sort of a distance. And you can just get one or two minutes to just get out, you know, swing your arms while you're walking, uh, you know, do a Bigfoot, you know, move on your way over there if nobody's watching, of course. And then and it just it helps clear your head and it gets blood moving a little bit. Just, to, you know, walk a hundred yards to another place and come back. It's good for your good for your mind and your, and your mood, as well as, uh, getting a little bit of, you know, motion in the body. Yeah. Yeah. A, a good tip and suggestion for that. And, a, and also a great segue into, um, our next, um, com- conversation, um, because, you know, as far as health goes, everybody is responsible for their own, you know, their own health, what you eat, uh, your exercise and, and all of those kind of things that, uh, promote good health and, longevity in your life and less pain, but, but there, this is, this particular situation is not only for the sonographer and the, just like you said, Mike, get up, walk around, take a breath, you know, consciously think about your, you're in a state of muscle tenseness and, but it also is part of the employer's responsibility to help the sonographers to be able to have a, a safe working environment and provide the, the tools and resources that are necessary to have that appropriate scanning uh, environment and to be aware of some of those risks that are involved and, and to offer some, some ways to allow for the sonographer to be protected from injury. Cause when, when it all comes down to it, the employers in the end are going to, you know, have a lot of costs associated with uh, sonographers being out on injury and then coming back and then they get re-injured as you mentioned. And, and so I think that, um, there was a study out that uh, the cost of one injured sonographer uh, to the employer is about seven hundred seventy thousand dollars, and so say that again, seven hundred and seventy thousand dollars. That's a lot. One, just money. one sonographer, right? And yeah. uh, so basically, employers are spending an estimated one hundred and twenty billion billion dollars um, that annually that are 
directly associated to work-related musculoskeletal disorders. And that's just across all fields. That's across all fields, right. Exactly. But still, I think this this situation applies to pretty much... Almost a million dollars for one sonographer Mm -hmm. to get injured. I'm pretty sure you can build in 15 extra minutes. Yeah. You know, between (laughs) some patients to save that. But it's, again, part of educating the employers and... And uh, wow. so, you know, as far as that goes, how how can we give insight to the employers and help them to understand um, these work-related musculoskeletal disorders and what they can do to prevent that? And how by taking those steps that it's really going to cost uh, save them a lot of money, not only money itself, but also money as far as uh, human resources go and having healthy, productive um, employees. All right. Well, let me share a couple things. Um, sure. One is, uh, let's see if I can share my screen real quick here. This is actually uh, from a, one of the one of the studies I I, I looked at, and uh, that I'll get the study up on healthysynographer.com here soon as well. But developing a culture of prevention, so it's really mindset. Like you said, you know, we sort of create our our own world, and and so I, I I'm a strong believer in that. But what something like this does, this would be each stenographer uh, for the day and the exams they're going to do. What you don't want to do is two uh, really difficult, like, you know, 20-week complex uh, fetal endovag exams in a row. Or a lot of times people get in that room and they're in that room all day. Or in their, they're in the IR lab and they're, they're bending around to look at the, uh, the screen to help the doctor all the time. And so uh, this way you can visually see, oh... Susie's got three endos back to back. Let's let's adjust that. Because if you do the endovaginal exam and then your next one could be a thyroid, uh, then you could go do, uh, you know, upper, right upper quadrant or whatever. That will make, you're using different muscles and you're not stuck in the same posture with the same muscles and the same difficult exams, patient after patient after patient. So this would be a really great way to get the whole department aware of it. And the managers can pop in and go, and Susie was just telling me she's going to have physical therapy again, and we we put three endo exams in a row on her. What are we doing? And they can they can call pause and hey Dave, can you go do that one? I've got to give Susie a break or whatever the case may be. So we can work together collaboratively in the department uh, with this type of very simple methodology uh, by developing this color this this culture of prevention. And let me share with you uh, the magic triangle. Okay, so. We looked at a lot of different body postures that people are in on a daily basis that don't cause musculoskeletal disorders. So we thought, well, what can, can we do something to apply this to sonography? So what we came up with is when you walk up and introduce yourself to the patient, hi, Ms. Johnson, my name's Mike, I'm going to take some pictures of your heart, blah, 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 I was playing the exam, and then, and then basically get to work, right? Well, in that moment when I'm talking to the patient, when you're talking to anybody, quite frankly, you're in a neutral position, comfortable. If the ultrasound system can float over and meet you now, right in that comfortable position, that would be a good place to to work from. So what we figured out is driving is a very similar situation to that. You're looking, your shoulders are squared up over your hips. You're looking straight out of the windshield. We never scan that way. We're always twisted and turned and reaching and stretching. So we came up with the magic triangle, which aligns the ultrasound system to you. So this is done really well with these, these uh, Apio series that we call a healthy sonographer platform. So look at the consistency. We've got a left-handed cardiac and a right-handed abdominal stand here. Look where the monitor is. 
it's it's floated over the over the bed and now notice the console it's rotated away from the bed so it's in perfect alignment with the sonographer and here's another thing that happens okay we move the monitor away from the or towards the patient we move the console away from the bed this puts us in this magic triangle and the magic triangle is where sonographer comfort and patient engagement come together uh, i was talking to a, a friend that uh not long before it had uh, her third child. And by someone, by the time a woman had three children, she's had a lot of sonograms, right? Mm -hmm. So oh, the are always so nice. Uh, but once they get started, I, I'm, I'm so afraid to move, ask a question, anything, because I just hear bells and clicks and they're so focused. And, and we basically completely detach from our patients when we're doing our work. And what do we want as a patient? We want to be physically comfortable in where we're in the bed, but we also want to be emotionally comforted, meaning we're connected with the person that's working on us, especially when sonography, they're this close to us. They're not walking out of the room to take a picture. So in the magic triangle, what this gives us the opportunity to do is a field of view to see and stay connected with the patient. Uh, so that gives us, a, uh, it makes the patient feel more comfortable, but here's the benefit to us. We're always trying to control the exam. This isn't getting into life stories now. I'm very well aware that we don't want to, you know, scratch that and then have it be, you know, 20 minutes of talking and we can't do our exam. But if you're still engaged just with a glance down to the patient, you can, okay, slide over to me a little bit, little breath in, hold it there, blow it out, hold it there, stop moving, whatever the case may be. The better you can control the exam, the quicker it is, which is better for you and the patient. But also, if there's no movement at all, got the best pictures that you can possibly get, right? So this really helps to be in this position. But also notice she's squared off, shoulders over hips, looking straight ahead into the monitor now. And then look at her wrist. We've, we've swept the ultrasound uh, console away from the bed. So it aligns, the trackball aligns with the wrist, the elbow, and the shoulder. So this keeps our body in this neutral position, just like we're driving. And these two simple moves can make you more comfortable on the very next patient scan. So think about this patient engagement, have that system float over to you while you're in conversation with your patient, and then you can begin scanning. And this will make you more comfortable starting today. Oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. That's really great. Yeah, you take, if that's all you take away from this podcast, you're doing yourself Huge service. Huge service. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I, I think about some of the things I saw early in my career and some of the things I saw even recently, um, you know, I'd walk into a room and somebody would literally be in the patient's bed. Like it was an inpatient brought down in their bed and they're literally in the patient's bed, like reaching <laughs> over the patient to scan their spleen. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh. You know, I was always a proponent of if I was doing an exam in my lab and I needed to get to the left upper quadrant, I would call another sonographer who maybe was just finishing up writing up a case. Hey, can you come help me for a second and have them push the buttons while I went to the other side of the bed and scanned. But when I was watching your videos in your healthy web, uh, healthy sonographer website, there was where you showed how the console actually goes 
over the bed, the, the yeah. sonographer can sit there and still control it mm-hmm. while scanning from the left side. Mm-hmm. So it's just, I think you just have to actively right. as a sonographer say to yourself, I'm not going to put myself in positions that could hurt me. I want to get the image. Yes, but I'm not going to do it at the cost of my body mm-hmm. and then find creative ways to stay ergonomically correct and in neutral positions and yet still get those images. Yeah. Your patient may have to work a little bit harder and if they're able to do that, that's great. But when they're not able to do that, that's when you have to go get somebody to help you, whether it be a nurse or a CNA or one of your co- colleagues and even go in x-ray and be like, does anybody have five minutes to help me? You just have to ask for help. And usually people are going to come and help you. Yeah. And it, it does. What, what tools do you have at your disposal to do this? So here we, we call this the cannon swing actually. Let me just show you a picture of that. So this is one of our, one of our, uh, uh, one of our users in, in, um, uh, in Florida there. And he just, he just, Lower you lower the bed and the system has so much flexibility and it telescopes out once you get it swung over. So she just swings it over and then she can go over and do the do the spleen or the left kidney on that side. And how much would that help on a on a tough renal uh, versus having to basically um, do what we do normally now with all the reaching and stretching? And, and if you don't have that extra person around, this is a real nice way to be able to just lower the bed, swing it over. But what tools do you have? It's the comfort mindset, right? Mm-hmm. It's an adaption to, to make yourself more comfortable. Because it's not just um, it's not just this patient. It's at 5.30 when you're ready to walk out the door. And then the, you know, the order comes in and you've got to go do it. You need some gas in the tank. So you're not always going to be able to get there, get comfortable. But if you can focus on getting comfortable whenever possible, you're going to have that much more gas in the tank at the end of the day and that many more years on the end of your career, our ultimate goal is for you to scan as long as you want to scan. And that's what's important. Not having your body stop you when you're like five years from retirement and what am I going to do now? I love scanning and that's what I know to do. You don't want to ever be in that position. So these, these tips and tricks will really help you achieve the ultimate goal, which is just enjoying your life and your hobbies. Uh, along the way, because sonography is an amazing profession. It's uh, I've been so blessed all these years to be able to do. It's a wonderful, wonderful job. We get to help people. We get to do science and technology, and it's it's a great place to be. And just want okay. people to do it as long as they want. Sure is so, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that this has just been uh, such a great discussion. I mean, it's a super important topic. And Mike, we really appreciate you bringing the resources, developing the website. Again, for our listeners, that's healthysonographer.com. We really encourage you to get on there and check out that website. We will link it in our show notes for all of you to be able to click on and go check that out. Um, We really enjoyed digging deeper into this topic with you. So again, thank you. Um, We, uh, you know, I think anything you can do as far as finding additional resources to bring to your employer, to bring to your staff, to bring to your department, just to improve the overall ergonomic health of your entire department is always a good thing. So Absolutely. get on there and check that out. I'm going to have happy, healthy sonographers, right? Yes. yes. So. And don't forget to fill out that form on the bottom, because even if you're afraid to have that conversation, we'll come out and, and help you have the conversation. We'll do the presentation, educate you and the, and the staff, and then it's a lot easier to open the conversation when everybody's seeing it there in black and white versus somebody that feels like they're going to be a troublemaker or something like that. So, exactly. Yeah. Let the experts come do it. That's right. 
That's a golden opportunity. Take advantage of it. It really is. (laughs) Well, thank you again, Mike, for being with us today. And thank you to our listeners for joining us. Um, Be sure to stay tuned for additional episodes and check us out on YouTube where you can see all of our live cam from downtown St. Pete. It's a beautiful day out today. So if you're up north and you're in cold, snowy weather, you can just check us out and that'll give you a little warmth for today. You can also watch our podcast videos and check out our hot tips. Um, of course, if you have any suggestions for content, uh, please email us at the sonography lounge at gmail.com. We'd love to also get social with you. So follow us on Twitter and Instagram. So thank you again, everyone. Um, have a wonderful day and happy scanning. Happy scanning. Thank you, Mike. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Sonography Lounge. Don't forget, if you like this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram, at Sonography Lounge, and Twitter, at Sonography LNG. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, feel free to send an email to us at sonographylounge at gmail.com. Have a great week and scan, scan, scan.